Let's get into uh, open up to Matthew. Yeah, thank you. Get up to Philippians. <laughs> You're listening. All right. So let's get open up to Philippians and we're in chapter two. <laughs> All right. I'm keeping you on your toes. So we're going to start um, in, in chapter two. But yeah, let me read it first and then we'll, we'll go from there. Let's read. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, any comfort from love, and there is, any participation in the Spirit, and there is, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for what we've celebrated this morning, both in the singing and then the taking of the communion. And now as we uh, are ministered to by your word, as we dig into your word, as we seek to know you through your word, God, I pray that you would use the, the, the living and powerful Word of God, Lord, to uh, continue to shape and conform us and mold us and transform us to renew our minds uh, so as to uh, grow in godliness, to grow in knowing you. So, Lord, we just pray that uh, we would hear uh, your words and, and that you would help us understand and, Lord, also to uh, live it out. God, there's so many ways we can think of different things in this passage that we need to apply, uh, Lord, but I thank you for the, the indwelling spirit who helps us open our eyes to the logs that we have, the things that we got to take care of, and the, the ways that we can grow in godliness. So thank you for the help we have in you, Holy Spirit, to help us live this out. So God, thank you. Thank you for, the, that, for all that is ahead, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, if you notice the title of my, my sermon, <laughs> the first part really deals with the passage itself, right? It's that rare love that unites believers and shines to a watching world. That's really, in this passage, we, we see that what happens in the church is something we have to work for, by the way. It doesn't happen just by accident, we have to work hard to maintain the unity, this, in this, uh, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace from Ephesians 4. But the thing is, is that what happens in this church, in all local churches that rightly believe in, in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, who preach out of the Word, in every church that does that, we have a chance as we live together, to shine to a watching world. Where do, where do you hear the word shine in Scripture? Matthew, right out of Matthew. What is it? <laughs> yeah, let your light so shine before the world that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. So, you know, what we get to do as His church is be a witness, a reflection of the glory of God. Because what happens amongst us, because when you think about it, I, I would not ever hang out with car guys because I'm not a car guy. My son is, but I, I hang out with a bill. And I start pointing around the room because of your car guys. But that's not because of I'm a car guy, but because we love Jesus and he's our bond. I wouldn't hang out with a cyclist like Jay because I'm not a good cyclist by any means. But because we're Christians, we're brothers, and we want to hang out. Does that make sense? So what God has done in saving us, He's brought us, He unites us to His family right away, but then it's up to us to work and show that unity. And is there great blessing from being part of a church where you have friendships that go beyond blood? Because quite frankly, many of us have families that we're not very close with, Right? Right? But the bond we have here is something that will last for eternity. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the family I'm going to spend eternity with. Isn't that cool? So this becomes a living testimony to a watching world. The guys who work here, Matthew, he's, he's not a Christian, Jewish background, 
but he loves the people in this church, and he's going to come visit us up at Bethany because he, he says he'll, he's going to miss us. The guy who's here today replacing Matthew, to talk to him, his name's Steve, great guy, but he knows that we're moving up there, and he's probably going to visit. There's, we were talking earlier this morning, but we have a reputation here, you guys, of people who, love, who are kind and loving, and, and so that, that becomes a, a, a witness to the world. So this passage, the first part, is that that rare love that unites believers and shines to a watching world. That is what Paul is driving home to these Philippian Christians, a church that he really that he himself planted. If you read Acts chapter 16, he was the one who founded it. But he is calling them to, to greater unity because they were human beings. They were breathing, therefore they struggled with sin and conflict. And he, he says, you guys... It's so important that we work at the unity and then humbly love each other and humbly serve each other. So this passage really is get connected, stay connected, and be serving. If you want to just boil down what he's talking about here, okay? So, but the second half is... I was really proud of myself thinking of this. I don't know, it's just me. But the blended family of God. You guys heard of blended, blended families, right? Where two pre- people who were previously married and they have kids, they come together and it's a blended family. Like, like uh, the Brady Bunch, there we go. I almost said the Partridge family. The Brady Bunch, that dates us, right? But the, the blended family of God, the merging of Bridge and Bethany, because I always ask at the end of the sermon, I always have the last part, it says, so what, Right? Well, we have a so what right in front of our face in just two weeks. How are we going to face this transition into a new church? Are we going fearfully, skeptically? Skeptic, is that right? Skeptic, okay. Sometimes when I say words, sometimes it doesn't sound right. Or, or, or are we going in with open hearts and, and an excitement, with a mission, right? And that's really what this 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 morning is about is what is going to be our focus. And even for if, some, if you don't come with us, there's some who are, and that's as much as I don't want that to happen, but I understand that's got to be the same attitude no matter where we go. We've, we are commanded to get connected to a God-honoring, Bible-teaching, Spirit-filled, and serving church that's reaching the community, reaching the world. We're commanded. So no matter what what happens after two weeks? This applies to all of us, right? And even the, I'm going to read Bethany's covenant because that's what we're going up to. But that covenant is right out of Scripture, and it, it applies to every person. So that's why I'm, I wanted to do that this morning. Because I want us, as we walk into the next two weeks, on December 2nd when we go up there, for those who are coming, to have a, the right mindset, not fearful, not skeptical, and, and uh, Bill, I'm not picking on you, but not with arms crossed. Or, well, Sean, I can pick on. Sean's got a bad attitude. Bill, I know you don't. But you know what I'm saying? We're not going up there with attitudes like this. Or Chris, too. Chris, unfold your arms. He did it on purpose. <laughs> but do you guys understand what I'm talking about? We have a natural reaction as human beings. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> we have a natural reaction as human beings. Well, how many of you went, you were at one school and you changed schools because you moved to a different area? How many of you have done that in your lifetime? What was it like at the new school? Terrible. I hated that. I went to 30 different schools before I was in high school. Because, you know, you guys know my testimony moving around all the time. I hated it. <laughs> I ended up at a big high school for my sophomore year, and that was, that was okay. But then, you know, Biola, I got four straight, well, five years. <laughs> I crammed four into five. But because <laughs> the school was so academic. Oh, Renee's not in here. She mocks me about Biola. But the bottom line is, is that those kind of going into new areas, we, we, it's, we be, we're fearful. Who are these people? Will they accept me? I'm not saying you're thinking that, but thinking back when, we, when I changed schools, it was the worst, right? But this is totally different. What's different about what we're doing in two weeks? What's different? I heard a bunch of mumbles, but I didn't hear any answers. Come on, speak it out. We are already united in Christ. 
That's one. What else is different about this versus going to a new school where it's, you know, if you're... <laughs> yes! That's the answer right there, Patrick. <laughs> And want to help reconcile, help me reconcile with them after the service? We already had communion. <laughs> what is that? We are talking about unity. That's right. Shoot, I have to love you. Okay. Love your enemies. <laughs> but what else? You guys, going into this, no joking aside, stop it, Patrick. Our, our elder leads us astray. Thank you. But what else? What else is going on that's different? Even if you're not going to Bethany, you're going to a different church. What's different about that? We have the unity of the Spirit already. What else, though? They're welcoming us with open arms because we're family. What else? There is more to it, though. There's more. Think about it. They have comfortable chairs. I said no more joking. Cindy, please. That was her. Okay. What else, you guys? Come on. Think. We're on the same page as far as mission, as far as purpose, as far as... And, and yes, that's the deal, is that it's not like we're going and we're, we're trying to figure out well, what's, what's their goal. No, it's the same. And, and the people, there'll be new faces, but here's also the difference. When I went to a new school, I didn't know anybody. Most of you are coming. We know a lot of people already. And matter of fact, there's some people who were at the, who aren't at that church who are who I mean who are at that church that many of you knew from a previous church, the Bridge or Ev Free Conejo Valley. So there's a, there's crossover. I mean, the, and Bob Anstutz, the Matthiases, um, the Colettis, and some of you don't. But you know, what I mean, I can think of names where I've known them before that they go there now, and and they've been you know Facebook. Hey, we can't wait. We're so excited. So it's not just. It is. It's that welcome arms that you said, Sean. It really is. They're, they're, so that's totally different. But here's the deal. We have a, a responsibility to do what? To be welcoming too, right? And, and, to be, and to be ones who are being proactive, right? Because here's the deal. We are called to serve. I'm, I'm, I'll get into the passage in a second. The passage is pretty straightforward. But here's the deal. We are called to come in wanting to serve them too because they're family. And we are bringing gifts and talents and personality. We've got a little bit of personality, don't we? Some of you got to work on your personality. But you guys understand. Again, I've told you this before, but at, when we were there for August 12th, I had two friends that are at that church who were at Bridge before, and they came right up to me and says, Chris... We need your church. You have brought, not me, us, you all have brought life, more life to this body. And they're excited. Isn't that cool? But here's the deal. That's not going to happen because we just sit there. It happens when we sit there and we sign up for different ministries. Some of you, we're not going to have setup like we had said. Now, they do have setup there, so if, you want, if that's something you like to do, you can do that. Oh, but some of you, that's what you like to do. That's great. You can help organize them because they need help too. It's a bigger church. There's cleanup. Well, yeah, that's right. After, yeah. Look at Rich. He's like, oh, he's got going down the list mentally. But here's the deal. There's, some of you are being freed up to enter new ministries. Like, for instance, we are the number one thing we're, going, we're working on over these two weeks is to have the kids stuff ready. We are starting a new ministry at that church that mirrors our ministry. Here's the deal, and I, I mentioned this in, our, in our, uh, my letter to the uh, Kidsville people just this week, but they have a church where the kids stay in the service during the second hour, not because they, that's what they want, that's their philosophy, it's just they haven't had people because of their merger, there's a whole history, uh, Lancet referred to it in August 19th, that they've had a bumpy road merging of two churches with two different philosophies, but it's now a year past the bumpiness, and they're excited to see what we've been doing to bring to them along with them. They're not saying, oh, you guys fix us all, but you guys understand they're excited because if you're a young family going to a church, visiting, and your kids have to stay with you in the service, how easy is that? 
So if we're bringing right away, one of the biggest changes we're bringing is we're bringing what we do here to them. And, and by the way, it's the same curriculum we're using here. That's why you say we're the same, you know, you mentioned that, April. We are the same philosophy. I mean, me and Lance, my goodness, we've been having so much fun. Can't wait. But here's, you guys understand, what's, what's a young family going to do now? Because they've had young families visit, but they don't stick because I've got to watch my kids the whole time. How can they? It's hard, right? So right away, that's the biggest change that's going to happen like that. And our worship team... Jeff, good friends with Kyle, their, their leader, those two were meeting next week, or right after Thanksgiving, by the way, to, to come up with how it's all going to work out and stuff, but that's exciting. So there's, okay, I'm getting off my passage. All that being said is that this passage has a so what for no matter who you are, and, and I want us to look at the passage, hear what Paul's saying, but then apply it to us personally, and how are you going to obey it? in two weeks. Does that make sense? That's, I want you to be thinking that direction. So first of all, the first part, verse 1, we see Paul, he, that very word so, that very first word so, is, is he's just said, he's given the first command in his whole letter in chapter 1, verse 27. He's, he's written this letter to a church he loves, a church he planted, he's in prison, he's writing to them, to encourage them, and he gives them a quick update. He's also thanking them for a missionary gift of money that they've given him, okay? But here, and then he comes to, in verse 27, it's his first command to them. I'll just read it to you, okay? Verse 27, chapter 1. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you. And then he, get, he lists out the three ways that they will have a worthy walk. Okay, here it is. So that, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm together for the sake of the gospel together. All right? And with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So one it has a sense of standing firm against, you know, to stand firm against like opposition, and we'll see more of that. But the other one is standing side by side to work for the faith of the gospel, the going on the offense. That's the first part, how they relate to each other as a church in the singleness of purpose. It's about God. It's about His glory. It's about the gospel, what we exist for. But it's a we a we, all right? Then, this, then the other part is, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Oh, how we help each other not be fearful when opposition comes, okay? So that's, that's another aspect of the worthy walk. He's been saying these things, okay? And why, if you don't show any fear as you face opposition, what does this do? Well, this is a clear sign to them, to the opponents. What? What does it say in verse 28 there? Of their, excuse me, of their destruction. And we're talking about eternal destruction. So as you stand together in one mind and one spirit for the sake of the gospel, the sake of the kingdom, together, not shrinking away from opposition, but not frightened, you're standing together is a sign to them, a blinking neon sign, destruction is coming. That's what he says. So what, what choice do these opponents have then? What? Repent or keep, keep opposing God and you'll see what happens. Okay, that's what he's saying. That's the, the importance of the church and its role in this world of staying unified for the sake of the gospel, to pass on the gospel, to declare the gospel, but to stay even when opponents come against us. It is God's, one of God's ways of telling the world, I'm real and there's destruction coming. And then people have a choice. And many opponents become Christians. I know of one, a real famous one in Scripture, O Paul. That's our role in this world. That's a worthy walk. 
For it has been granted to you, or just, but of, uh, it's been the sign of them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. There's, it's unmistakable. You stand together and it can only be explained that God is helping you. For it has been granted, that word is gift, that word, for it has been gifted to you, here's the gift of God, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, salvation, we love that part, but check this out, but also to suffer. That's a gift. To suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and he's in prison right now, <laughs> and here, now here that I still have. So that's, he's laid out the worthy walk. This is how you, you stand together for the sake of the gospel because opposition's coming. As you stand firm, it'll be assigned to them. But now he's saying so. And now he's going to explain the unity. That's what we're looking here in verse 2. Or in verse, chapter 2, verse 1. So, if there is, and by the way, in the Greek, it's called a first class conditional clause, meaning since there is, Therefore, because I've commanded you, here's how you do it. But he first talks about the motivation in verse 1 there. If there's any encouragement in Christ, is there encouragement in Christ? Yeah, absolutely. That word is the arm, is the picture. I love that. It's just a, to me, it's a picture of a coach. I had a great coach, Coach Orr, and that's what he'd do. There's times where he was ticked at me, but most of the time he'd say, Chris, come here, because I'm out of control, just going berserk. <laughs> I was just psychotic. And he'd come here, hey, Chris, come here. Arm around me. Hey, Brunzeal, you're a leader on this team. I need you to focus. <laughs> okay, coach, okay, 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 okay. But that's just a picture of, to me, of what Christ does. He puts his arm around us. He's cheering for us. He has a mission for us. He's saying, go get him. But he's not only, he's also coming with us because it's to walk alongside. That's what that word encouragement means, to come alongside. So when we serve for the sake of the gospel, when we serve in the church, who's there helping us? Jesus is, the indwelling spirit, the one who's alongside us in all of life. None of you is alone when you're at home by yourself and you're just living. Jesus is with you. He's right there beside you. He, come, he said that. Where else did he say that he would be with us always? What? Matthew 28, verse 20. Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. All the way to the end. Is, there, is that encouragement? Is that encouragement from Christ? Yes, it is. So because we have that, but it goes on for more. Here's another motivation, because it's true. Any comfort from love. And by the way, who's the main source of love? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. This is talking about God the Father. And what, by the way, that word is agape. If there's any agape or any comfort from having this agape love, but what kind of love is that? Is it an emotional love? No, what kind of love is that? Action. Unconditional. It means it's a love that serves, that goes to do, that gives, no strings attached. It's unconditional. It's a decision to love for the benefit and blessing of the other. Is that comforting? Oh, amen. Matter of fact, in our trials, it says in 2 Corinthians 1 that we, we get the comfort from God in our trials so that we can take that comfort and pass it on to others. So we get to be people who do what God does. Why? Because of His love. His love for us. We love because He first loved us. So is there any comfort from love from the Father? Absolutely. He sent His Son. He acted, like Marie said. Any participation in the Spirit. You guys have heard of the word koinonia? That's what this word is. Participation means fellowship, partnership, teammate itship, working together ship. This partnership. Is there partnership in the Spirit? We've mentioned it in Ephesians 4. It says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of the peace, meaning in the bond of peace, meaning the Spirit has united us as soon as we get saved and we have fellowship with Him. By the way, who does He indwell? Christians, 
The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, he says. But Jesus in John 17, he says, I and the Father are one, and you are one with us, and if you love us, we'll abide with you. So who, what does abide mean? That means to dwell, to live in and with. So you've got the Trinity living inside you. Is that partnership? Is that participation? Is that unity? Yeah. Is there? Yes, there is. So if all these things are true, and by the way, don't miss this, the Trinity is at work here. In your salvation and us being formed into the church, the Trinity is at work. So how important is the church? How important is it? They put a lot of effort into forming the church, haven't they? And the unity of the church, how important is it? What did Jesus shed for it, folks? What did he shed for us? His blood. God gave His Son. The Spirit is dwelling us and working to, to empower us to do this mission. So if there's any encouragement, and there is in Christ, any comfort from love from the Father, any participation in the Spirit united in Him and by Him and for the purpose of, of accomplishing their work, oh, any affection, oh, this is a great word. Affection is the word splagnos. Okay? Splagnos. But you know what that means? That word literally means in the Greek your innards, your, the inner bowels. When you fell in love for the first time, what did, where did you feel that? Was it like, oh, I just love them up here? When Renee, I'd call, get ready to call Renee. Oh, I've got, got the, you know, the fly, butterflies in the stomach. And then she'd call me. I'm like, yes! That's what this word means. It's your love that you feel here. Not just here. Oh, yeah, I love that person. They're so cool. It's that love that grabs a hold of you. Any of you ever experienced that or am I just me? Okay. Go stop it. You can elbow him, Pam, for saying that. Any affection. How do we know that God has affection for us? Does he? Absolutely. He says the church is precious to him. Isn't that amazing? Any sympathy, sympathos, means with feeling. How do we know God understands us and our weaknesses? I'm giving you a hint. He was a man. Come on. Where's there a passage where he understands our weaknesses? Hebrews, good, our great high priest. Because remember, the imagery is so important. So he took time to go through Hebrews. Literally, when he says high priest, we have to think like a Jew. That high priest would go once per year into the temple, not just in the temple, but into the Holy of Holies. And he would be wearing special clothing. The names of Israel were on his shoulders and on the breastplates. He was there to represent Israel to God, just to say, hi, God. No. Why was he going in on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement? Why? To, to symbolically be the representative of the sinful Israel, and he would come with something special. What would he come with? Hmm? The blood of the lamb, the lamb that was slain. He would come representing, and he would come to the Ark of the Covenant. What was the top of it called? The mercy seat. Think about that. What's underneath the mercy seat in the box? There's, one, there's several things, but one really important thing. The tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments, they were symbolic. When we sin, what do we break? Not just one of them. It says, Paul says, we break all of them. So he would come and put blood on top of the mercy seat. And by the way, they called that the throne of God because the Shekinah glory that represented God would come down and would fill the temple and God would symbolically sit on that throne. But he could because there was blood. Because blood cleanses, pays for, atones for the broken sin. So when it says the great high priest, he comes, Jesus, the great high priest comes. He didn't have to do this once per year all the time because when he brought the blood, he didn't bring the blood of animals. He brought his own blood, 
perfect. He didn't deserve to die. So when he did that, it was all done. Okay? But here's the deal. He lived as a man. So he not just carried the names of Israel on his shoulders. He lived as a man and lived among us. So he understood. It says that he learned while he was here on earth. Did you know that? It says that when he was a kid, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He really learned. And it says that he learned obedience through suffering. He never had to suffer before as God, but he came as a man where he voluntarily laid aside his rights to be worshipped, and he was mistreated, was he not? Think about what he did. So when it says that he, is there any sympathy? Is there sympathy? Yes. He knows we're weak, but what does he still say in that Hebrews 4 passage where the great high priest says what to us? Run away? It doesn't say go boldly. It says come boldly. Yes. He says come boldly. Only one person could go into the Holy of Holies. And that was the high priest. But because Jesus did what he did, the veil was ripped. Now it's not just the great high priest. The great high priest is now there saying, come to my throne of grace. Isn't that amazing? And come boldly. Where will, what will you find there? Uh, a disappointed God? It's not what it says. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says you'll find mercy and help at this throne of grace in your time of need. How many of you need mercy and grace and help and hope all the time, right? Isn't that cool? So, do you have affection from God and sympathy where He understands our weakness? Yeah. But what is His reaction to us? Come on. He's the coach alongside. He's the king saying, come, you're my kids. Come right on into the throne room. You don't have to get permission. I've given it to you. Isn't that cool? Ah, that's exciting. So because of all these, this is the motivation. This is a motivation. Again, Paul is talking to a church, and he's saying, you've been united together because of God's work, the blessings of being saved and united to God. Do you, do you understand what he's just laid out here? The blessings and the overwhelming riches from the Trinity in creating the church. And Paul is saying, look, Philippian Christians, look, more Parkians, because this happened, let's go to the next thing. Paul says, make my joy complete. Complete my joy. That word is literally means to, here's, here's my joy, but bring it to its fullness. And how are you going to bring it to my fullness? See, I, I helped deliver the gospel to them, and people became Christians. They got saved. That brought great, uh, Paul great joy. But now he's saying, I want you to fulfill and complete my joy in this way. And here's what he says. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So that means the Philippians were not the perfect church. They had conflict in their church. And if you don't believe me, look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Two key women we're having a fight and it was dividing the church. They're just like us. But his answer of how we fill the joy, complete my joy. Chris Brunzeel is your pastor. And I will still be your pastor in two weeks. We'll just have another pastor too. A good guy. And we're going to have fun. But complete my joy, you guys. Complete my joy. Complete Paul's joy. And again, I'm not sure. I'm not Paul here. But I'm just saying that. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. That word means uh, the having together having the same purpose. Having the same purpose. I, I keep telling you, the purpose of Sunday mornings is not to sit and soak. That's the wrong purpose of this. Your purpose is when you're sitting here, you're not here to get. You're actually here to give back to God. What even you listening right now, the devotion that you're displaying by reading this and saying, is Chris really saying the right thing? And you're checking it out and you're listening and saying, man, I got to work on this. The fact that you're interacting with scripture, that's an act of worship. That's giving back to God because you're focusing, how can I honor God more? 
Isn't that cool? And when we sing His praises, it's not just to make us feel better, it's to praise God because that's what we're designed to do. Matter of fact, guess what we're going to do for eternity? You ever read Revelation chapter 4? And then Revelation's at the very end? Jesus, we're singing praises to God and He has work for us to do, but there's a lot of praising going on. And no more out-of-tune singing from this guy. Being in full accord and of one mind. Okay, remember, he's telling them you need to work at it. Because again, we have, I know that I'm a kind of a weird person. I have a different kind of personality, right? But uh, we're all eccentric. We all have our weird stuff. Mary just pointed at Bill going, yeah. (laughs) We all do though. But here's the deal. The longer we live with each other, the more we'll have opportunity and a choice here to either notice the differences and not like them or to appreciate the differences and realize, wait, God uses different people in different ways. I cannot reach certain people because of how I am. Some people are just, it's too much. Back off, Brazil. But you know what? There's others. You know, I look at some of you have just a real calm spirit. You know what? They like you. And then there's some people who are hard of hearing where they need me to be loud. Right? But we all, stop it. What? But you guys, here's the deal. We, we are all together, and then we have a choice to make. Am I going to focus on their weaknesses and move away from them or realize that, wait, their strengths are something I don't have? Just like in marriage. When, when Adam came in, Philipp- or in Genesis chapter 2, what was the first thing God said about him? It was not good that man was alone. Why? Because he was incomplete. And he made the completer, Eve, so that together their strengths would make them complete. In marriage, that's the picture. Renee has strengths I don't have. I have strengths she doesn't have. But together we can can be stronger. But here's the deal. So often in marriage, what do we tend to get? Why do we have conflict? Because we focus on our weaknesses and look at them and say, I'm better than that. And we forget all the weakness, the big old log in our eye, right? But that's the deal with the church. God brought together a diverse church so that together we're strong. So that together a watching world would say, why in the world do they hang out? They got a surfer over here, a car guy over there. You know, we got crafters, painters, evidently. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Why else would we love each other over the long haul basketball or, you know, why was that? They could paint your house. Yeah, (laughs) maybe not. (laughs) But you guys got to understand, look, God brought us together to, for this diversity to be an amazing picture of what heaven's going to be like. Right? Right? So he's saying, you guys, Philippians. Work hard of having the same purpose and viewing each other the way you should. How many of you deserved to be saved? None of us deserved to be saved. It was by the grace and mercy of God. We deserve something else, right? So all of us are equal in the eyes of God. All of us. And that goes into our next passage or the next part, verses 3 and 4. Where am I? Here we go. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. If you have a church where, where people are motivated to gain notoriety, applause, pats on the back, I'm doing this so that, I'll do this for you if you do that for me. If we have a church like that, you know what's going to happen to that church? It won't be a church for long. Do nothing from selfish ambition. That's a great... Is it okay to have ambition, by the way? Now, most of the time, where it has a negative connotation, but there's actually parts where it says, hey, if someone, for instance, if, an el- if someone aspires, that word is aspire ambition to the office of elder, that's a good thing. But they got to show it by their life and their ability to teach and defend doctrine. But it's, we are to have ambitions, to have, be goal-oriented to some degree. And what is the main thing we're commanded in Matthew chapter 28? What is our main driving ambition? To make disciples of all nations. That's our goal. That's our purpose. But that's an others-centered kind of purpose. Do nothing for selfish ambition or empty conceit. If you've got pride, oh man, 
But, he goes on to say, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Humility. That actually was a a word of, of derogatory connotation in the Greek world of that time. But Paul and the Christian world took that term and glorified, not glorified it, but made it a term of positive thinking because who was the ultimate person who showed humility? Jesus Christ. Look at verses 5 on of this very passage. Jesus is the picture of humility. He served even though he knew he was going to be rejected. In these verses, he's telling us to be a church that's united in humble but energetic service. Look at the next thing. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, yeah, take care of your responsibilities and things you need to be doing, but what does he say? Also to the interests of others. If people have needs, help them out however you can. We've helped people out in this church. You've helped me out. Very recent. You guys know what we're talking about. All the help you've given to us over the last, well, six plus years, but especially with the cancer. I mean, you guys have been amazing. This church does this, but you guys, you guys understand we got to keep doing it. Because now we're, we're thinking we're joining another church. And, and by the way, again, this, I was talking to Lance, and this happened in their own church, that some people, when they did merge, you know what they did? They said, oh, I'm, I'm going to kick back. Now, they didn't say it out loud, but that's what they did. They, they moved to the sidelines. And I'm a coach, you guys. You know, I did that for a living before I became a pastor. I'm not going to let you sit and soak. Because here's the deal. You have too much to offer. That church, it's going to be our church, needs you, 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 y'all, it needs me. We need, because God has commanded us, but God also has great blessings. How many of you have been blessed so much when you just do something simple? And you're just like, oh my goodness, hardly did anything, and here I'm getting all this blessing back. But that's what God does. It's, we are blessed when we try to be a blessing to others. So when we move up there, we, we, we have got to be on mission. How can I get plugged in? You may change how you serve. That's okay. But you have to be serving. You have too many. And I'm not just talking about those who, you know, have fit bodies. Oh, I can go do it. No, that, that's not what I'm talking about here. You, you can help out in that way. But you need to be there to be a blessing to others. We've got kids who need discipling. That's going to be one of the keys for that church. If you want to, if you want to see things blossom there, they have, a church, they have a school of 230 plus kids. It's a great school, but none of those kids go there. A lot of them are not Christians. It's, you don't have to be a Christian to go to that school, so there's a lot of non-Christians there. It's a ripe mission field, but it's also had that problem of having no Sunday school during the second hour, during the main service. We get to help change that and they're excited for it. I mean, they're, they're not, there's no pushback. They're like, let's get this done. Isn't that cool? So some of you who aren't plugged in yet, I'm going to get you plugged in. I'm going to harass you. Well, not that I ever stop harassing, but you know what I mean. So all that being said, all right? So this is this passage where he's, he's encouraged. And actually, I'd love to, I forgot to say this, but Renee now has it on her arm. She got a tattoo. But it says, I'm third. <laughs> she got on my, I've been on her case about this. But here's, it says, I'm third. And then we get it from this passage. She worked at a camp called Kanakuk. And Joe White, some of you may have heard of him, is a famous, amazing sports camp in the Midwest. But their saying was, I'm third. And it goes, God first, others second, I'm third. And, and that's, that's got to be our, our, our just, our, our, what we just embrace Again, that's not just because we're merging with another church. That's, this is just a good situation to look here. It's got to be our way of life, right? And, and I'm looking, by the way, there's no one here I'm pounding over the head saying you're not doing it because I, I'm looking at a great bunch of servants, people who want to minister to the glory of God. But you know what? Our job is just beginning. Until you breathe your last, you are to be a servant. Amen? Now, I want us to read. I'm just going to read through, and I have, it's up on the slide. It's going to be on the next slide. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Okay, I'm going to get through all that. Keep going. Okay, it's right here. So I have, this is, this is the Bethany Church Covenant, but like I said, if you're not coming with us, this is what you should be looking to do wherever you land. I'm just going to read through it, and there will be 
there'll be the phrase from the covenant and the verse below. I'm not going to read the verses. I want to put this up on there so you can see where their statements are coming from, okay? So I'm just going to read through this. The Bethany Church on the Hill Church Covenant. Having been led, as we believe, by the Holy Spirit and brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him, and having been baptized subsequent or after our profession of faith, we do now in the presence of God and our fellow members solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ as follows. And it's a list of 10 things. I didn't put numbers up, but you'll follow along. First of all, we will work and pray for the maintaining of the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Where did I get that from? You see it right there, Ephesians. So that's why I'm not going to read the passages, but you can see where it's coming from. Rejecting harmful gossip. Ooh, that's a tough one, huh? Thus serving one another in Christian love by forgiving as we have been forgiven, Ephesians 4.32, according to Christ's command. He commands us that. We will walk together in brotherly love, exercising an affectionate care and watchfulness. Oh, there's that book, right? And that watchfulness over one another and faithfully admonishing one another when the occasion arises, remembering our mutual redemption in Christ, engaging in the regular and corporate worship and study of the Scriptures, that we may be continually growing into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will seek to establish, this is number three, sorry, we will seek to establish a proper example of godliness before our families at all times to endeavor in the principles and commitments of our faith and to maintain both private and family Bible reading and prayer. Number four, we will contribute cheerfully and regularly to support this ministry, including the expenses of this church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel throughout the world, mindful that we have been summoned to be doers of God's word and not merely hearers of it. Amen? Yeah. Five, We will seek to disciple those under our care, and by being pure and loving examples, lead others to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number six, we will seek both to both live and speak in such a way that the light of God may shine through our lives before a watching world, encouraging them to seek the way, the truth, and the life. We will seek by the power of the Holy Spirit to live circumspectly in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, recognizing that we have an obligation to lead a new and holy life. That was seven. Number eight, we will delight in one another's joys and blessings and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear one another's burdens and sorrows. Number nine, we will work together for the continuance of the ministry of this church as we sustain its doctrines its ordinances, its worship, and its discipline. Number 10, we will, if we move from this geographical location, if you decide to go to a different church, and as soon as possible, unite with another church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Should we seek to leave this church for any other reason, we agree to an exit interview with the elders. So, believing in a loving, sovereign God, And believing in the deity of our Savior, his miraculous birth, his peerless life, his unmatched life, his atoning death, his bodily resurrection, his promised return to consummate history, and our essential oneness with others of like precious faith, we shall seek to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. May God aid us in fulfilling this covenant And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. A great covenant, okay? And this is a commitment we all have to make to no matter where we end up, okay? The reason I I read this is a great summary. It took a lot of work to put that together. I did not put it together. And I just, I just went through this and just slapped up verses that came to mind as I was reading it. And there's way more, right? I didn't put up John 14, 6 and whatever. But the point is, is that, look, we need to stay committed as we move location 10 miles away 
to being a church that loves the snot out of each other. Because that's not changing. My love for you guys has not changed, nor will it. And I'm going to be there, you know, on the December 2nd. I'm going to be teaching. Uh, I'll be at a class. I'm going to start teaching classes in January. We're going to wait till after the holidays. But I'm going to be there at 10 to make sure during the coffee hour or half hour to welcome you all, to be loud, to be me, and I expect you to do the same. You be you, right? And let's see what God has in store. Now, the reason I also, I included this in the all-church email because they're going to welcome 15 new members that went through their, their uh, membership class just a few weeks ago. They put it off for December 2nd so we could be all welcomed together. And if you are, in your mind, committed to, yeah, we're all in, I'm, I, I believe in you know, what they're doing and this is what we're going to do together, you, if you're willing to sign this document as, hey, I'm in at this church, and if you're not at this point, that's okay. You can do it later and there'll be future times to do it. But on December 2nd, then they, you will be asked to come up, everybody who has this, you know, who says I'm in, you'll be able to come up and be welcomed by name in front of the whole church, okay? It's just one of those procedural things. If you're not ready to, that's okay. You know, if you want to give it a test it out for a while, that's fine too. And then in the future, you can do the same thing and you'll be part of the next group that's welcomed in, all right? Does that make sense? So that's just, so if, you, if you're ready to do it, you know, take, I put a whole stack of them on the back there and you just sign your name on it and give it to me and then I'll let them know because they're also going to make us name badges. The whole church has name badges so that we can do what? It's not to tell who's in and who's out. It's for guys like me who forget names. <laughs> and they all wear name badges so that we can help, you know, so you'll get a name badge so that we can start getting this process going of just learning each other's names, Right? So that's, that's all that that is. Again, I, I included it in the all-church email. It was, you know, there too, so if you want to read some more of it. But that's, that's all this is, okay? And I'm, I'm done with time. We're not doing music at the end. Jeff is like, of course. <laughs> so let me pray, and uh, we'll, we'll close up the service. And if you have any questions, come talk to me. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all for today. And then we have a meeting, Children's Ministries, back in that. Oh, yeah, and sign up for the brunch too. Don't forget. I'm not in charge of the meeting, so we'll be quick. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the last 2,000 years of proof that your kingdom cannot be stopped. You can't be. We're proof that you, we're part of the long line of, of your work throughout the world. Thank you, Lord, for what's ahead of us. Thank you, Lord, for new opportunities. I mean, December 2nd, we're going to have five different missionaries up front reporting from Peru and India and, and Mexico. And just exciting, God, to see what, uh, just how we can be part of a, just even more work. So thank you, Lord, for, for what we have ahead. Lord, thank you for the years I've been able to be part of this amazing church. What a blessing. Thank you for the friends we have, our family in Jesus Christ. So Lord, thank you for the rest of this day. I thank you that it is Thanksgiving. I pray this week would be a time of blessing, of family, of just a chance to slow down a little bit and to uh, just be a, a time to review your goodness to us. So we love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for my friends here, this family, and we, we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.